this episode of Rewired Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Kelly. And today we're doing, we're sort of launching a new series. Do you want to talk about it, Kel? Sure. So um, this goes a little bit back to a few things that we've talked about in the past about the idea of new criticism and looking very specifically at the text as the text itself. And so we thought it would be fun to do kind of close readings of the fifth episode of every season. Right. And the reason why we picked the fifth episode is because it seems that in the wire tradition, as it were, um, the fifth episode is kind of where things really kind of start to come together. Like you usually have to give the season till about the fifth episode before you kind of can clearly see what the plot line is going to be. Yeah, and five has some significance kind of culturally, mathematically as well. So do you want to talk about that? So one thing that we've talked about before as well is sort of the importance of the Greek tradition um, to the wire. And so what's interesting in the Pythagorean tradition, um, five is symbolic of marriage as it's the sum of the female two and the male three. Um, they also just, the Pythagoreans had discovered five regular solids, I guess, as their sort of shapes or whatever. Um, and the other interesting thing about it is that they associate it with the Babylonian goddess Ishtar and her Roman parallel Venus. Um, so there's definitely some significance around love and marriage with the number five. Uh, and then, of course, there's also the body has five parts. There are five virtues and five vices. Right. And five seasons of the wire. And five seasons of the wire. Exactly. Okay. So, so yeah. So, we're going to do a deep dive into the fifth episode of every season. Right. And so, we'll start with season one and kind of what we see happening there um, in terms of sort of symbolism around the idea of games, and play. Perfect. Okay, so maybe it would be helpful just to kind of talk a little bit about what close reading is and and what, what we're doing when we look very specifically at one episode, because in the past we've sort of talked about large themes that extend over the whole series. So I'll just read here. This is the definition. It says, in literary criticism, close reading is the careful, sustained interpretation of a brief passage of text. So we can think of one episode as that passage. Uh, and it says, American new critics in the 30s and 40s anchored their views in a similar fashion, promoted close reading as a means of understanding the autonomy of the work. So stripping away the authorial intention, as we've talked about in the past. Perfect. And would it be helpful to just kind of go over some of the key plot points that happen in this episode to sort of set the stage for where we're going with this? Um, sure. So the sort of major things that happen in this episode are that they're able to clone the pager, um, which kind of cracks open the case for them. Uh, they get in touch with Omar, the police do, finally. Um, this is where Stringer sort of first introduces the idea of a snitch in Dee's shop. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, Dee certainly sees Wallace in sort of a childlike way um, when he's playing with the Transformer. Yeah. Uh, this episode has that 
extremely mm-hmm. difficult to watch restaurant scene with D'Angelo and um, what's her name? Donette. Donette, yes. Um, Deidre Crescent links the Barkdale, the Barksdale hits. Um, this is where Orlando approaches D about a deal and uh, going in together on a package. This is where D first sort of has a real conversation with Chardine. And of course, most importantly, this is where Prez cracks the pager codes. Yeah, but also, I thought you were going to say, most importantly, this is when Brandon gets picked up by Stringer and company. Right. Okay. Yes, that is also very critical. (laughs) So um, what I saw happening in this episode was a lot of uh, games of various sorts. And so I thought it might be helpful just to get us thinking about that and what that means to talk about definitions of game. And um, there's a few different kind of interpretations or nuances there. Uh, most obvious that we see is kind of the game is the game, the game of drugs and corruption in multiple systems. So the episode title um, is the pager, just so that we have the everyone knows which episode we're talking about but you had talked about games yes so um the idea of game having multiple interpretations we see of course the game as the drugs or corruption like street life the game is the game but then also the idea of uh gaming a system which is to somehow kind of like hack the system or juke the stats as we see in later seasons Hmm. And then finally, I would say to have game is to be skilled. We see in season two, McNulty says that Edie's got game. Right. She wasn't so, when we started with her. Yeah. So that's just, um, I only bring that up so that we can think about the ways that games uh, have a lot of different meanings and a lot of different ways that we can interpret what's happening in the episode because there's so much going on uh, with play and games um first of all as you said Bailey Wallace with the action figure right and so maybe we should talk a little bit about sort of where that takes us the the I guess um foreshadowing that happens when when D sees Wallace in this childlike way and when he's playing with the action figure you know what is that foreshadowing yeah what is it foreshadowing well (laughs) what it's foreshadowing is that when he's killed by Bodhi and Poot, um, Bodhi makes a real point of saying, you're a kid, you're acting like a kid, you're not a man, you have to be a man. Um, and then, you know, that, and, and I think Bodhi is there in, the, in episode five when Dee sees Wallace playing with the Transformer. And to Dee, that shows he feels tenderness towards Wallace. It hardens Bodhi towards Wallace. Uh, Bodhi is disgusted and throws the bottle at his head. Yeah, I hate that part. Yeah, I know, I know. But you're right. Like we're often encouraged to see Wallace as especially innocent or childlike. Right, and he, you know, there's also the significance of Wallace taking care of all the little hoppers, um, and it, and it, he's really portrayed in this caregiver light as well. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of Bodhi, um, kind of looking down on Wallace for that moment of play, 
there's a really great scene with Herc Carver and Bodie in baby booking when they have to stay for something like 12 hours or overnight or whatever it is. And they start to play pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because again, the sort of game setup humanizes Bodie to the cops and in a way also humanizes the cops to Bodie. Yeah. And in that moment, the only way that Bodie can play is if they take off his handcuffs, which is him kind of like pulling a fast one, um, mm-hmm. which I would say is kind of a Bodie is playing them in more than one way there. Yes, absolutely. And so there's, there's this, this hustle going on. Um, and even just calling the place baby booking again, kind of uh, alludes to play and childlikeness. Yeah, definitely. Um, And similarly, Brandon, uh, when he gets picked up, he's in an arcade playing games. Mm -hmm. Which, so is there then kind of a message with, there's a parallel there with Brandon and with Wallace when they're both playing, um, they both are vulnerable. Yeah, that's a really good point because when they're at play, that's when this violence is acted upon them. Um, And so, you know, taking a step back to think about it, like the games lead to violence is, you know, that is the truth of the street game too. Right. And the game is not actually about play. It's about always being aware. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like one of the interesting things about how it's always referred to as the game. The game is the game is that it gives us this um, sort of innocuous innocence or uh, makes it seem really benign when the opposite is true. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time the games that we see in this episode are kind of acting as those markers of innocence or youth, um, but in ways that go sour or somehow, you know, actually signal trouble or violence. Mm -hmm. So it's foreshadowing harm in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, But then we see a few games over on the police side as well, or at least this idea of play, not just Herc and Carver with the pool table, but um, Freeman has a sort of childlike quality with the dollhouse. And again, it's it's interesting because in many ways that also is um, having him being seen as vulnerable or inept, right? The... McNulty talks to Bunk about it and questions whether Freeman is anything but a cuddly house cat uh, because he's spending so much time on the dollhouse furniture. Right. Well, and I don't know if it's this episode actually particularly, but when Chardine sees the dollhouse furniture, she has this moment of like almost childlike wonderment and really likes it. And he lets her keep a piece of furniture And I think what's happening in that moment is the same idea of what's happening with Wallace and the action figure. It's like signaling this innocence that's a little bit lost, that they still have these childlike qualities, even though they're so deep in the game, street game. Mm -hmm. Right. And in many ways, they were kind of robbed of a childhood. Like, I think we see that with the hoppers too, right? When Wallace is helping one of those little hoppers do his math. He can't do the math in the book because it's talking about apples and oranges and, you know, kids trading. Um, But when Wallace puts it into uh, 
drug weights and package buying, mm-hmm. the kid is able to do the math. Yeah. Well, and, and later we see Bubbles kind of use the same model to teach Sherrod. Exactly. Um, but sorry, I got a bit off track there because I was going to talk about the police. So there's not just Freeman, but also Presbo is really into word search puzzles. And it's actually that type of play that lets him crack the code. Exactly, which it's probably, you know, that's one of the things that we see really crack the whole case open. And it is, it is also a point of frustration for McNulty, right? Because once they understand the pager code, they can see the whole murder of Brandon play out in front of them. Um, yeah. But they're... They know, can't intervene. Exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, I think that's quite an interesting thing. And again, we are told that Presbo is inept and we're, you know, thinking of him as not actually a very functional police officer, not very capable, um, but it's through games that he's able to crack the code. Yeah. So in many ways, the same as Freeman. Yeah, it is their um, more playful qualities that let them assist with this detail, this investigation. Mm-hmm. Well, and and with Freeman and that, that point that you make about Chardine seeing the thing is they actually, Chardine is also critical to the case. Like it's her sort of like work in the, in Orlando's that allows them to um, get the intel that they need there. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, so aside from these kind of more overt games or moments of play, I feel like the theme of play rises up a lot in the language that the characters use when they're talking about whatever they're talking about. Um, So when Carver is talking to Bodie, this is again at uh, baby booking or just before he says, you're racking up all kinds of points. And that Mm -hmm. is talking about Bodie's offenses and all these charges and transgressions that he has. Right. Right, but then it's sort of, it's alluding to a video game or something, I guess. Yeah, or, yeah, it's exactly, it's like making Bodhi um, a player, which he is a player in the game, and, and they all are. So it's kind of just interesting to me that it's that sort of language which mirrors this game metaphor for what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, And then, so also in this episode, Bubbles goes to visit Johnny in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And Johnny is in the game room. That's where they say he can go find him, which is a really kind of unsettling scene, I thought. What did you think? Yeah, it's definitely an unsettling scene. Um, There's a lot of sort of, uh, like, you can see, so this is the scene where... um, Johnny tells Bubbles that he's got the bug. Um, So Bubbles finds out that his friend is HIV positive. This affects Bubbles deeply because he also then assumes that he is probably HIV positive because they share needles. Um, He, and you can really see that affect him. Like he's kind of joking with him and saying, what, what are the, what drugs have they got you on? And then uh, Johnny drops this bomb on him and Bubbles is, you know, clearly deeply affected. And then, that's where he tells Johnny, you know, I'm working with the police. Yeah. To try to make him feel better. Yeah. And so the significance of putting all of that heavy material in what is called the game room is uh, jarring, which it's supposed to be. 
And what I thought was really striking was that in the background of that scene, there's a huge twister mat on the floor, but like they're in a hospital rehabilitation hospital. Hmm. So, you know, nobody's playing twister. And I think that that choice of having that as a set piece is meant to be weird and kind of make us feel uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither until I watched this episode about three times. <laughs> um, and then they go, Herg and Carver also have some illusion to play. Yep. About um, like the way they're going to do the interview. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're trying to get their dynamic together for how they're going to interview Bodie. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's, either her or Carver, but they're like, how are you going to play it? I ain't going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Bracelet too tight. You're racking up all kinds of points, ain't you? First you put a cop in the hospital. Damn, they kill his ass with that punch. Now you on the wing from Boys Village? Man, I'm 16, all right? What the fuck they gonna do to me? That's the least of your worries, my friend. I got a partner outside who can't wait to get in here and fuck you up. Cop you banged. It's Herc's uncle. Herc wants off the leash on this one. And, um, I suppose you're at the other end of that leash, huh? See, I don't want to play it that way. I know about coming up hard and all. Boy, you... You came up hard? Flag House Projects. East side. Mm-hmm. Flag House? You know, you, you remind me of me. I'm thinking we should work something out. What do I get? What you want? the script on Carver right Carver goes in and has this whole song and dance about how Bodhi reminds him of himself and he also came up hard and Bodhi plays him and and you know is acting like he's affected by this story and and acting like he's curious um and then that's when he leans in and you know Carver says to him what do you want like I can help you here and that's when uh he says I want you to suck my dick yeah. Well, and exactly as you just said, Bodhi plays him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, and then there are a couple other interesting things going on in the episode just around, like, youth and, um, like, juveniles. And I don't know what you thought, but the scene with McNulty and the waitress from the diner, um, mm-hmm. like, I think she looks super, super young. 
And the bedroom that they wake up in, like, looks like a child's bedroom. Yeah, I've always thought that in that scene, that her her bedroom is like a classic, like, I think we're definitely meant to believe it's her parents' house, although she they're very loudly having sex, which to me was surprising. But, you know, every time I watch that scene, I always think that looks like her little girl bedroom because the sheets are pink and it's kind of this brass smaller bed. It doesn't look like it's a queen size bed. It looks like it might be a twin um and yeah, uh, yeah like and you know everything's yeah. pink yeah exactly so yeah I've, I've often thought that and she definitely does look really young as well yeah I agree um and also the the major plot for Herkin Carver is about juvenile intake so that um kind of roots the whole episode in this idea of youth right and again, the baby booking. And it's interesting because, of course, we eventually um, see in season four um, the fear that Naaman has to go to baby booking. And that's when his mother says, you know, what's wrong with you? You're too scared to go to baby booking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really interesting. So what do you make of all of this? Um, well, I think... You know, I think the game and the play sort of illusions are something that do happen um, a fair amount in The Wire. Uh, definitely, there's um, uh, like, I guess when they they have the chess scene, which we've talked about before, but how you know critical that scene is. Yeah. Um, and well, that, and then later in this season is the basketball game. Right, the basketball game, exactly, and that that carries a lot of significance. Um, and of course, even when Bodie is considering, you know, whether he wants to snitch and you know how he wants to, there there's this whole notion of there being rules to the game, and that's an integral part of Omar's character as well. That there are rules to the game, and you have to play within the rules. Yeah, um, have to have a code. Exactly. So. Um, so I think that that's pretty interesting too. Yeah. Well, and I think as we sort of touched on, but I think there's this idea of a corrupted youth Mm -hmm. and we still see those childlike qualities, even in like the more grown up players, like Weebae with his plastic fish. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a really significant scene too when D thinks he's going to get killed um but then we see this sort of and we're maybe expecting the worst for D as well um but then we see this kind of real I guess almost tenderness that we they has towards his fish right he's talking about Jezebel thinks she's cute and like (laughs) you know he he's really assigned they're very anthropomorphic fish with lots of human qualities well and then when he's in the jail they are plastic like those are toys yeah those are toys those are definitely toys well and speaking of jail Avon has um like a video game system in his cell and we see him playing like xbox or whatever it is Mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah um, so i think you're right and i think there's also um when when the police are questioning Omar about Brandon going to the arcade, you know, they're saying to him what you didn't mind him going without you. 
and Omar doesn't specifically relate to a game, but he says like you can only put a basically a leash on a young buck so far before he's gonna start to push back or whatever. I think he says before he starts to buck. So um again he's recognizing that Brandon is is you know, he's young, he wants to be out there, he wants to, you know, even at his own peril. Um Omar couldn't always protect him and always be with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, okay. Anything else for episode five? Uh, I don't think so, but I would like to hear from our listeners about what they've noticed, this idea of games and play that aren't specifically like street games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, definitely send us a, send us on Twitter. What's our Twitter? <laughs> At Rewired Podcast. And on Gmail? Uh, podcast.rewired at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we definitely want to hear from you. So tell us what you think, because, um, there's probably lots of game illusions that we've missed. So we, we want to hear your thoughts. Yep. And next time we will talk about episode five of season two. Until then, we'll see you way